Welcome to Digital Marketing Happy Hour, a podcast about marketing, technology, and life. This is episode 45, How Data Privacy is Affecting Digital Marketing with Puneet Batia. And it starts right now. Digital Marketing Happy Hour is brought to you by Last Call. If you don't have time to stay up to date on the latest news affecting the digital marketing landscape, listen to Digital Marketing Happy Hour Last Call for a brief recap on the latest news with commentary so you can stay informed. A new episode drops every Monday. For more information, visit araxam.com. That's A-R-A-X-A-M.com. Chris, here we are again at another happy hour. And of course, how we start things at this happy hour is we talk about the drinks we have in front of us. So Chris, what are you drinking today? Well, you know, Ryan, we're going to be talking about privacy today, and that can be an intense subject. And so I needed a relaxing beer. I am going with a new Belgian fat tire amber ale today. What about you? Where we're located in Florida, at this time of the year, spring has sprung. Now, it's not like that for most of the USA and obviously, and our friends, you know, in Europe, in Canada, it's still cold. So I'm already getting into that warm weather mood. So I have a, a Dos Equis lager and I don't know, I'm feeling the spring vibes. So that's what I'm drinking. Very nice. Very good. Well, we have our beverages in hand, so let's get started. He's Ryan Smith. I'm Chris Casale. Thank you for joining us this week on Digital Marketing Happy Hour. If you're new to the podcast, then welcome. And thanks for listening. And if you're a repeat listener, thank you for coming back. And if you continue to find value in this podcast, please kindly leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Audible, or wherever you listen to this podcast. In this episode, we have a conversation with globally renowned and leading privacy expert, Puneet Batia, who comes to us from Brussels, Belgium. Without any more delay, let's get started. Chris, bring in Puneet. Our guest today is Puneet Bhatia, who is one of the leading privacy experts, having worked with professionals in over 30 countries to guide business and industry leaders on GDPR-based privacy strategy and compliance through online as well as in-person training and consulting. Puneet is a global speaker who has spoken at over 30 global events and is a host creator of the Fit for Privacy podcast, which has been ranked amongst the top GDPR podcasts in 2020. He is a certified fellow in information privacy, and he's the author of three privacy books, including the best GDPR book, Be Ready for GDPR. The name of his upcoming book is AI and Privacy, How to Find Balance. Puneet, welcome to Digital Marketing Happy Hour. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me, and thanks for the warm introduction. Absolutely. So this is a happy hour podcast. Typically, we like to start off with a drink. If we were at the bar, do you have a go-to drink that you like to enjoy? I love my drink, so I I have. Do you guys have? We sure do. Good. We are all uh, healthy drinkers. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell you what was in my drink. I yeah. just took a glass. <laughs> <laughs> so, Puneet, we are thrilled to have you here on the podcast today. Privacy is such an important topic, and there's so much happening in the world and in the news today, and it impacts everybody. And we have a ton of questions lined up for you, but I really wanted to start off, well, with twofold. On the first hand, I'd love to know a little bit more of your background. How does one 
say, I want to get into the world of privacy or I want to be a privacy expert. And then as a follow-up to that, because this is, believe it or not, this is one of the questions we get asked. Why is privacy important? I think a lot of businesses and consumers don't understand why it is such a vital component to their freedom. And I'm curious what you would say about that. That's interesting. So nobody gets into privacy by choice, at least that's what I've seen. Either you're a lawyer or you're in a job and you get into things. So it so happened in around 2015-16, I was in the bank and I was looking for a change. I was a program manager and they said, there's a program on data that's something to do with IT and privacy. Can you handle it? And they told me four program managers have left in two years. I said, okay, that one is for me. And then as I entered it, I found it was relating GDPR, data privacy. I set it up and thankfully I stayed three, three and a half years. So I I broke the pattern of people leaving out from the data privacy, uh, what do you say, program. And that's how I entered into privacy. And as I saw some uh, gaps or some people needing help, I wrote a book, then I started speaking and that's how it evolved. So it was not by design, but it was also not an accident. It was a mix of uh, choice and opportunity matching at the same time. But the other question you ask is, why is privacy important? And there are two dimensions. I think everybody knows we as humans need privacy. And some people say, I don't need privacy. I'm a very open person. And to them, I ask generally saying, hey, give me your bank account number and send it to me on email. My name, email is punit at punitbhatia.com. Spoken at 30 plus conferences, maybe 5,000 plus people. Nobody ever sent me and the other who asked me saying privacy is not important, but that's human aspect or individual aspect. From company's aspect, it's challenging. And I do understand there's the carrot, there's the stick. Most people use the stick. We all know 20 million euros and that 4% of global turnover. And that's true. Nobody's lying about it. But there's the carrot because we are three years into GDPR almost in May, we will be three years. So there is data available and people will are surprised when I tell them that there are business benefits from privacy investments. So we need to shift. We need to start talking about importance of privacy from human and business benefit perspective. I mean, just to quote a few numbers, the last research I read, it said 76% people say privacy investments build customer trust. We all want to build customer trust. 73% say it makes the company attractive to investors. I mean, that's what all entrepreneurs want. They want to sell their company, most of them. Let's put it like that. So there is sufficient data available on that aspect. I can go on and on. So there's a business benefit. And everyone who invests in privacy, they say, we realize at least two times the benefit of privacy when we invest. So there's not just the stick. There's also the carrot these days. So that's why it's becoming important. When we go on Google or Bing or whatever big data tech that we're as a consumer that we're on and the back end, there's all this data that's being collected. And a lot of most people, they know there's data being collected, but they really don't know what is being collected. And then what happens when they collect that data? What do they do with it? You know, and I always like to think of even like apps, if you're getting an app that's for free, it's not really free. You know, and it comes back to the data that it's collecting and they're going to monetize that data in some form or other. But going back to the cookies, we're hearing a lot right now about, you know, the, the sort of the state of third party cookies is changing, especially in 2021. Can you give us your opinion of kind of where it's at? And then where do you see that 
going towards when it comes to data and, you know, and privacy? Well, we are in the digital economy and everything is data. And due to pandemic, everything is being done digitally. Business is also being done digitally. So it's essential, it's essential to protect that data. And that's why all these laws, all these things are geared towards protecting data. And that's when the cookies come in. Because if you go to a website and you rightly say, I go to a website and they start tracking me. I go to an app, they start tracking me. I need to be understanding what's happening here. What are they collecting? And it's okay, the good websites, but then there are the bad ones. And who differentiates the good and the bad? I mean, not you, not me, not us. Let's put it like that. And that's why we need somebody neutral. And that's where the laws come in. And when you talk about cookies, some websites are dropping cookies like anything. I mean, you are from marketing world, so I can talk some jargon, which sometimes with my privacy friends, it's challenging. I mean, Google Analytics tags, your Facebook pixel. Half the websites I go there, Facebook pixel is on. While our friends in Google and Amazon have been fined 140 million, so about 40 million for Google, 60 million for Google, and then 40 million for Amazon on this aspect of cookies. So dropping cookies, I mean, it's a strict no-no. That's where it's going. And it's not just GDPR. People think it's GDPR. There's also e-privacy directive in uh, EU, which prohibits dropping of cookies. It's not just personal data. You can't put in cookies without consent. And I'm not talking about the essential cookies which we need for performance of website. It's the analytical, it's the tracking and so on. Because we all have faced it. I go to amazon.com or any com. I'm there. I want to buy the product. Few minutes later, I'm in bbc.com or cnn.com. And I see the ad of the product. How come? I mean, it's not magic. It's not coincidence. Something is happening in the background. So there is a lot, lot of data being captured. And there needs to be action to mitigate and reduce those risks. I mean, if you're on a pawn site, if you're on any incorrect site, let's put it like that, without taking a lot of names. Then if you are getting tracked, everybody knows. But your news website, your email website, or your own, what do you say, newspaper is tracking you. That's getting too much. And that's where we need a little bit more transparency, a little bit more consent, and a lot of lawfulness. What do you think is the balance there? Because Ryan and I, being in the marketing space, can really see both sides of this, right? From the consumer standpoint, you absolutely want the privacy. And at the very least, you want the transparency so you can make the decisions that are right from you. But talking to others on the business side of things, and there's there's an ongoing battle right now between Apple and Facebook, where Apple's in the process of implementing some new privacy constraints with iOS 14. Facebook is fighting it tooth and nail, saying you're destroying the free internet. It's kind of hard to see the see Facebook as the good guy in all of this because the, the privacy is, is a strong balance. But I understand their argument here, which is that if I want to be able to reach people, I have to understand sort of what their interests are, the, semi, the psychographics and the demographics of that person, and that's going to be blocked from me. So what is that happy medium? I would take us back about 50 years. We didn't have this technology. We didn't have this means. And still companies were making money and still they were selling products. So it was never like I needed pixels, I needed tracking, I needed psychological. They used to do some intelligent stuff to profile people and understand what their customers are based on what they are selling. Nowadays, that has shifted to directly how the person is acting and behaving on internet. And there the balance, as you rightly put it, is be transparent. If I'm interested in 
being analyzed, I would let you know. If I'm, and you can be smart about it. Are you okay to be analyzed at this level? Are you okay to be analyzed at this level? And are you okay to receive marketing offers? If we're cookies like that, if there were cookies like that, I usually say, please analyze me, no problem. Unless I'm going to a website, which I don't want them to track me. <laughs> we all do that once in a while. But on most websites, I would say, analyze me, but don't send me marketing offers. So I'm very generous in that sense. But tell them what you are doing and do what you are telling them. So transparency and a limitation of purpose. Transparency meaning tell them what you're doing and limitation mean do what you told, not we will analyze you anonymously and later on I find out it's not so anonymous. That's not done. And I don't fear if they are tracking me, but I fear if you're tracking my bank account and then from there the money is siphoned off or my profile is created about who I am not. So on Facebook, I'm careful on which post I like and which I don't like because they will make a network of or they've already made it, of who are my relatives, where, who are my ancestors, which kind of friends I like and not. So that's a strict no-no, because why? Now people are saying it's my business model. I mean, that's the game in the ATT that Apple is introducing. Apple is saying, we will introduce transparent application tracking. That is, apps have to tell what do they track, what data they collect. I don't see anything wrong, unless you're collecting something wrong. And the good part is in marketing or data, we all say we need good data. We don't need big data. We need quality data. If people are saying yes, well, I mean, if I'm going to get a loan, I would all obviously turn on marketing cookies. But if I don't need a loan, why would I say send me marketing offers? So it will increase the quality of data and improve the success ratio or whatever numbers we have, click ratios and even conversion ratios if we transparently enable it. The issue is nobody is right now transparently enabling it and everybody's in a dilemma. But look at the good companies, they are enabling it and they didn't get out of business. I mean, if we can argue for Facebook, on the contrary, Apple would also not like to be out of business. Do you think, is it the collection of data that is the issue with these companies or is it what are they doing with the data? Or maybe it's, we just don't know what they're doing with the data. I think in my personal opinion, and I may be wrong, and I'm, I would be happy to be wrong, but my opinion is that these companies were collecting a lot of data, much more than what was being expected. And now having to inform the user, they are feeling like, how can we say we do this? So that's the issue. If you are transparent and if you say you are transparent, what's the issue? Just tell them what you're doing and let them choose if they want to let you collect or not. And let them, I mean, the case of Facebook in uh, Australia that we are talking about, having to pay for news or for Google to pay for news. It's the traditional business of news companies to get royalty out of what news they publish. Now, it's not that I'm a tech company, I'm advanced and it's my business model. So I'll take anybody's copyright information and publish it. And what is copyright for? I mean, maybe my view is extreme, but at least you got to be transparent. You mentioned transparency. I think we would all hope that sort of these big tech companies started there, right? That they began with a transparent view. Clearly, that was not the case. And what we're seeing now is laws are catching up with that. And I think GDPR was one of the first, certainly the biggest at the time, although others have followed suit. What can you tell us about the way that's shaping the space? GDPR was, was a significant one and 
you know, we're over here based out of the United States, and we still run into businesses that say, well, that only impacts the European Union, and I don't have to bother with that. And we're trying to explain, no, that's important. And even if you don't do business in the EU, which most of them are, even if they don't realize it, there are more laws that are going to follow that. I think there are two dimensions. One, the world has changed in the last 20 to 30 years. So things have become much more global. A company sitting in US can sell in EU without having a rep office or an office in EU, which was not possible 30 years ago. It's thanks to internet and digital economy. But on the other end, laws have always lagged technology because technology, when it's new, you don't know how. Look at artificial intelligence, robotics, or all these things. Nobody knows how it is. When I don't know what a Facebook pixel can do, how can I frame a law? So laws will tend to lag, but it is not that there was no privacy law. The Directive 1995 was not so prominent and not so strong. It was meant for the economy of 1985 or 90. So it needed a refresh. GDPR has provided that refresh. And it's more dated to, I would say, 2010 economy. For 2020 economy, we maybe need a new GDPR, but that will happen in 2030. So <laughs> there always is a lag. You mentioned the Facebook pixel and, and Facebook is not the only one. Obviously, it's a no. big data collection, but I think it kind of goes back to the uh, Cambridge Analytica. Do you think that was the turning point where all of this really became on everybody's radar? I would think, in my opinion, it's the GDPR which put things on the radar because it put the fines of 4% and everybody started talking about it. And when it started uh, talking about it, media always loves attention. And in that attention, they grabbed Cambridge Analytica and it grabbed attention. Then they grabbed attention on Zoom also. But thankfully for Zoom, there was pandemic at that time. So more attention was with pandemic and Zoom could easily slip in. So it's not about GDPR or it's not about Cambridge Analytica. It was always an issue. One trigger was this GDPR, which made 4% significant then the media attention, and then the grabbing of uh, Cambridge Analytica. But it's going to be more and more. If I look at last eight or 12 months, there's been a lot of talk of these app tracking devices, infrared devices, tracking cameras, and so on. So all that is picking up. So if you're a business, and particularly small to medium-sized businesses, right, they use sort of a conglomerate of technology, different types of marketing apps that they're using, or sales apps, a CRM, things like that to track their business contacts and things of that nature. What is their responsibility for privacy and how can a small business ensure that they are adhering, not just to the laws, but offer the transparency that you're talking about? Yeah, I think the first thing first, laws never say you cannot do it. That's the myth we need to dispel. Laws never say you can't do it. Laws only put conditions on how you can do it. So they don't say you can't use a Facebook pixel. They only say, you can use a Facebook pixel after informing and after the user has consented. Now, the fear is when I inform, they will not consent. So, I mean, uh, the, it beats me. But how can they comply? So first thing is be aware that laws require you to do things in a certain way. And laws don't prohibit you, do, you from doing certain things. So being aware. Second is then talking to the right people who can advise you because there's a lot of myths, a lot of confusion, a lot of incorrect advice available, and that creates confusion as well. So go and find the right person who can assess your situation and advise you. And it doesn't always have to be an expensive one. It doesn't have to be a big consulting firm. And once that assessment is done, take action 
in line with your business and in line with your business needs. And it doesn't have to be left or right. It just has to be balanced enough for your business and sufficient for you to mitigate or reduce the risk. It doesn't have to completely take away the risk. That's all. Be aware, take assessments and take action. It's good enough. Now, very specifically, if you're asking, there are many ways. You can do it yourself. You can get a consultant. You can do in collaboration. And I think outsourcing doesn't work. Or you can have a fractional privacy officer. Maybe you have heard the term. Fractional privacy officer is like, your company needs me, but you believe you will need me four hours a month. Now, you believe it's not interesting for me. But if you're a small business and I can have 30 of them or 50 of them, it's interesting for me. And then we get into an arrangement. You do this and you don't pay me for one month. You pay me for four hours or six hours, but you get my advice. And when you need more than four hours, we have arrangements. So there are a lot of fractional privacy officers which are available in market. And then there are privacy kits or online tutorials which are available. Just go and get them. Start somewhere, show some intent rather than saying it's too risky, it will not work, and then get fined. That's not done. Going back to Facebook and Apple, obviously both of them have hit the news. And it's, you know, from a consumer standpoint, as we talked about it, those are two apps and functions that, you know, billions around the world are using. But from a business standpoint, this could be a game changer, especially for the small to medium-sized businesses, as Facebook is pointing out, meaning with the rollout of the update to iOS 14, they're basically now going to give users the ability to sort of opt in on the tracking. Now, if they don't opt in, Facebook is arguing, hey, this is going to hurt small to medium-sized businesses because they won't have the ability to pinpoint on their advertisement. From a data privacy, is this long overdue? Or do you think at the same time, this may hurt the businesses that have relied solely on these companies like Facebook for their advertising? I mean, the world would always evolve. So nothing would hurt. Maybe they will be hurt in the short term. There was uh, so many articles talking about 2018. There will be doomsday. I have some websites which are still not accessible from U.S., I mean, the US website not accessible in EU and so on, because they don't want to make those investments. But in the long term, it will all be fine. Maybe the business models will change. Yes, small businesses may not have that data, may not. I mean, I would not consent to share my data tracking data with each and every company whom I don't know. That will happen. So I don't deny it. But it will not be doomsday. They will find innovative ways. The good thing about small businesses are they are very agile and very adaptive. They will find ways of how to do business. In 1970s, we still did business without even internet. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. (laughs) Go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's good. I like it. So, I mean, in 1970s, they still did business. Okay, the business was limited to that country and everything, but economy was still flourishing. And now with internet and everything, we will find ways of doing things, but more transparent and more law compliant ways. I mean, Apple has a dominant position. I don't see people stop using Apple just because they are privacy compliant. And Facebook also has a dominant position. So that will also not go away. And small businesses will find a way. Nobody will lose in the long term. But in the short term, there will be rebalance of power. You used a word I like, evolve. And I think that's key because... This industry is so ripe for disruption. And I think that the benefit that small businesses have is that agility. But for some of the bigger ones, I have to wonder a little bit. There's an article in The Guardian 
that's talking about WhatsApp, which is owned by Facebook. And apparently they were forced to delay an update to their privacy policy last month because there was an in-app notification that basically informed users that some of the data from the app would be shared with Facebook. So this raised a lot of concerns about you know, privacy of the chat messages and their profile data. And a big shift in users went to encrypted messaging apps such as Signal. So I guess it's a two-part question is, do you see more of this happening? And could something like that be a doomsday for Facebook where others say, I've just had enough? I mean, Facebook's in the news a lot lately with with these privacy violations. Yeah, I think they are experimenting more and more with the boundaries of privacy laws, and that's why they are in the news. Uh, So it's no surprise. I mean, WhatsApp not writing that they share data with Facebook was a surprise for me. Writing that they are sharing data with Facebook was not a surprise for me. I even wrote an article on LinkedIn. Now, Signal, they say, is not sharing data with Facebook. So let's say we all move to hypothetically Signal. And two years later, Facebook acquires Signal. Then what? Then will we find a new one? (laughs) So, I mean, we need to find a balance in the current ecosystem rather than expecting to have a new ecosystem. And we will transform, we will evolve, we will move, we will transcend into new experiences as we experience new constraints. I mean, we talk about AI, similarly, artificial intelligence, and we see those scientific movies when the robot has gone crazy and the world is in danger because nobody can control it and it has learned and it has learned the behaviors. Now, do we want that situation? No, we don't want that. We want some control and that's consent, some human intervention wherein the robot can be controlled rather than the robot controlling us. I mean, the beauty of human intelligence is when we can create things, not when we are controlled. When you're a company doing business, you know, from one country to another country, you know, we, we have a global audience here, obviously not just the United States, Hong Kong, Australia, South Africa, many throughout the EU. Is there some sort of advice when dealing with that or something that companies need to look out for when they are marketing to one of these countries from one country to another? Is there something that you advise them to, to look for, to make sure, A, that they're not you know breaking any laws, especially around, obviously, with privacy. But do you have any words of advice? I typically tell them to take a principle-based approach because if you are a small, medium-sized company operating in 10 countries, it's challenging for you to go around and find out what those 10 law countries do, find out their laws and comply with each one. I mean, a Facebook, a Google can do it. They have the means, they have the lawyers, they have the money. But for a small business, And myself also being in small business, I do realize those constraints. So what I advise them is have a principle-based approach, take the best principle, usually GDPR, create a policy or ask, and then try to comply with the bare minimum. And then the law is not like everybody will be fined 20 million. I mean, how many companies have been fined 20 million or more? I mean, we know we can count on fingers and they can very well afford those millions. So law is also cognizant and aware of, or the people executing the law are aware of where the boundaries are. So if you're not negligent and you are complying with the the minimum threshold or the principle-based approach, then you have started the journey. And it's about showing transparency. Transparency doesn't have limits. Just tell them. Somebody in Singapore will not say, GDPR does not apply me. Why are you telling me you collect this data? I mean, they would happily or annoyingly accept or not accept. How do consumers uh, and businesses, for that matter, 
stay in the loop on privacy. There's so much that continues to evolve and change over time. What resources are available for individuals that that want to learn more? And certainly we would recommend they listen to you on the Fit for Privacy podcast, but how how else can they stay informed? I mean, that's a challenge, not only for them, challenge even for me and all everyone I meet, because there's so much to consume and very little time to process and filter what's relevant. I think it's putting your priorities right and spending time on them. That's the only way. And for some things, like if it was a large company, I would say these are the companies which provide privacy updates, subscribe to them. But for a small company, get a good person who can be your fractional, call it privacy officer, privacy manager, privacy, whatever you like to call him, privacy champion, privacy support. And he or she can then have a newsletter or something which advises you this month, this change, or this is for you, the change. And you stay in touch. And that's the best way. That's the most cost-effective way. We can talk about costly methods, but they will not work. Well, there is a lot of information that we just went through over the, the last 30 minutes or so. With all of that being said, if there was just one takeaway that you would want our listeners to go away with from this conversation with you about data and privacy, what would that be? I would just put it in two lines and I will not summarize what I said, but I'll say it differently. One, you process a lot of data, but some of the personal data uh, data relates to people. When it relates to people directly or indirectly, that means it can identify us as individuals, be careful and be aware that is in scope or remit of a privacy law, be it GDPR or wherever. And when you're processing that, just call somebody or ask somebody, what do you need to do? And don't take that risk because it's not worth the risk. I had the same challenge when I set up my website. I wanted Facebook Pixel active from start, but I chose not to. It was a hard decision as an entrepreneur. And being a privacy person, it was even more hard because, you know, if I was just an entrepreneur, I would have done it. So just be aware of what your responsibility is and ask somebody. You don't need to become an expert. You guys are doing wonderful stuff. I interact with you. You, you also say the same thing. You cannot be an expert in everything. So for marketing, come to you guys and you have this wonderful podcast. Same thing. If you need a little bit of help in privacy, just ask someone who's an expert and whosoever you trust and keep an eye on it, then get somebody on your list or panel or whatever you call it or retainer and work with them. That's great advice, Puneet. A little transparency definitely goes a long way. And I think, you know, just letting individuals know what you're doing, you know, then they can make the choice and then you can adjust your business if you need to based on their reactions to it. So that's phenomenal advice. This is a happy hour though. And we have to ask, we ask all of our guests this question. What is it that you binge watch or read uh, sort of for fun? not a very uh, funny guy to be very honest i'm more structured sincere dedicated all organized kind of person but what i read or listen to is more self-help or psychology books saying why do we act in the way we act more inspirational stuff so things like that more from the tony robbins the brian tracy's the jim rons or the wayne dyers these kind of people and that's what i listen and read and that gives me the joy if not fun and that I classify as fun. <laughs> you, do, you, do you have a favorite of those? Yes, I do. I mean, the best I like is John, uh, John D. Martini, mm-hmm. and then followed by Jim Ron and Brian Tracy. But Brian Tracy had the maximum impact on me as a person. Excellent. 
Puneet, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. If individuals want to learn more, if they want to find you, listen to your podcast, where should they go? I would say best is search me on Google Puneet Bhatia Privacy. If you find a bit, normally it's me just, but Puneet Bhatia Privacy or on LinkedIn and connect with me. There are many channels which keep changing because uh, we are in a modern world, but just search and connect with me on LinkedIn. And from there on, we can take it on. That sounds great. This was awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. It was great to have you. And I'm amazed at the quality of questions you ask. So keep doing the good work and keep helping people with marketing and through this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So Ryan, privacy is an intense subject, but that interview was a lot of fun with Puni. What did you think? I tell you what, you know, this is where the digital marketing internets, websites, this is where we're at, where it's all about data privacy, you know, whether it's GDPR, it's all over and we have to to follow it. Whether your country has these tight rules or not, as Puneet kind of talked about, everybody should be following it. And his final takeaway of being transparent, I think is huge. And and for, for myself, who's worked with clients for years and years and, and worked on the agency side with clients, one of the, the biggest things I always say is, you know, be transparent if you're an agency and with your analytics, don't you show shiny reports, show them, open up Google Analytics, be transparent. And I think you can absolutely apply that here with the data privacy he's talking about. Be transparent, let them know what you're going to use with it. So I thought that was really huge. And I thought it was just a great takeaway. Yeah, I think that's really important because the best brands in the world, and I say the best, not even necessarily the biggest, but the brands that have built a reputation for themselves and been able to maintain that reputation, that transparency has been a big part of it. It is possible for privacy and you know advertising and marketing to coexist in the same space, but that element of transparency is really key. Just let your consumers know what it is you're doing with their data, and most of them, if they're comfortable with it, are absolutely going to allow it because you'll develop a trust with them. So, really great points by Puneet. That will wrap up another episode of Digital Marketing Happy Hour. But of course, no episode is complete without Keep It Light. So, Ryan, what are you reading or binge watching this week? So kind of excited the return of The Walking Dead. And I, I don't know, I have to see how this whole thing ends. It's nowhere near as good as it used to be, but it's not awful at the same time either. So now that it's back, six episode run right now to finish out the season. And I, I know you're a fan of it. You've been watching it. There's only one more season left that I think I'm going to suffer through to, so that I, I can put uh, The Walking Dead to bed. I don't know. I just can't abandon it. I have to watch it. Don't get me wrong. Has some good moments, some light moments. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing this season how they sort of tie in, bringing some characters back that have left, which is is going to happen. Whether it happens in this final six episodes of the season, or definitely next year in the final season of The Walking Dead. So that is uh, that's what I'm excited about. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I can't blame you, Ryan. I've been a fan of Walking Dead for a while too, and. It's, it's had a good run. It probably should have ended a couple seasons ago, but you know, you've come this far, you might as well finish it, right? I, on the other hand, am watching, you know, it's, it's back on TV, Impractical Jokers. Have you seen these guys? Early on, I've seen probably some viral videos, but I haven't sit down and watched like a full episode. So they're in like, I don't know, their ninth or 10th season at this point. And I became a fan when they came on Netflix probably about two years ago. And these four gentlemen are from my hometown of Staten Island, New York. So big shout out there. 
But that's not why I watch it. I watch it because they are just total goofballs. They pull stunts on each other and you get to see other people's reaction to it. And what's nice about it is unlike, you know, shows like Candid Camera, where the joke was on, you know, the person, these guys are pulling the pranks on each other. So there is sort of a moral line to it. And it's about who's willing to go the furthest with it. And it is so funny and it just cracks me up. And all the New York references just make me laugh. And you know what? Comedy goes a long way. We've had a long year, still in the middle of this pandemic right now. And I'm just really enjoying the latest season of Impractical Jokers. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we want to hear from you. If you heard something that Puneet said that you loved, if there's something that you disagreed with on this episode, don't be shy. Reach out to us. A couple of ways you can hit us up. Send an email, podcast at araxam.com. That's podcast at A-R-A-X-A-M. Com. Also, find us on social media. A lot of you already have. Keep it coming on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me with the handle Ryan Smith FLA. And then, of course, on LinkedIn, just do a search for Ryan Smith Marketing and you'll find me there. And the best way to get a hold of me is on LinkedIn. You can find me under my name, Chris Caselli, but you can also find me under Araxum and, of course, Digital Marketing Happy Hour. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Audible, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. We sincerely hope it will enlighten your day. After all, it is our mom's favorite podcast. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Be kind to each other. Thank you for listening to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. This week's episode is brought to you by Araxum.com, your digital resource for marketing and technology. Visit Araxum at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. The music intro you heard is called Pure Adrenaline by Eddie off the album Too Damn Loud. You can learn more at CactusSlimRecords.com. The music used for closing credits is a song called In My Pocket by Jazzer. You can find it on their album Message. Learn more at BetterWithMusic.com. Thank you for listening.